My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we continue our journey through the Word of God and I encourage you to continue to enjoy these and share them as much as you possibly can. Like, comment, subscribe and share on all the platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, podcasts, uh, Odyssey, uh, all those different things and uh, let's get this out here as much as you can and and comment. Give me a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube, do whatever you can because uh, that's how it uh, gets these videos out to as many places as possible. Today we're looking at Matthew 23, we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 12 and this is where Jesus has finished having his conversations with the religious leaders. He's not talking to them anymore, now he's going to just directly address the multitudes and we start off with verse 1 then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples interesting so what did he say the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses seat therefore whatever they tell you to observe that observe and do but do not do according to their works for they say and do not do for they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and they lay them on men's shoulders but they lay themselves, they, they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Jesus spoke to these groups, but he was speaking about the scribes and the Pharisees, the, these hardened opponents to Jesus. They were probably listening to him talk to the crowds, but in a sense, Jesus has finished speaking to them and he's warning the people about them as they're probably listening. You want to talk about an awkward moment? He's just answered all their questions. They, 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 they got nothing left. So now he says, okay, now I'm just talking to all of you. Okay. They're still there. This is, this is what I want you to do with them. This is how I want you to treat them. The true target, RT France says, of the whole discourse is the crowds and the disciples who need to break free from Pharisaic legalism. Now, Pharisees do get a bad rap. No doubt about that. So let's take a look at uh, Pharisees. Let's just take a brief look. According to William Barclay, uh, the Talmud describes seven different types of Pharisees, and six of the seven are bad. There's the first one is called the shoulder Pharisee, who wore all his good deeds and righteousness on his shoulder for everyone to see. There was the wait a little Pharisee, who always intended to do good deeds, but could always find a reason for doing them later, not now. There was the bruised or bleeding Pharisee, who was so holy that he would turn his head away from any woman seen in public and was therefore constantly bumping into things and tripping over and injuring himself. There was the hump-backed Pharisee, who was so humble that he walked bent over and barely lifting his feet so everyone could see just how humble he was. There was the always-counting Pharisee, who was always counting up his good deeds and believed that he put God in debt to him for all the good that he had done. There was the fearful Pharisee, who did good because he was terrified that God would strike him with judgment if he did not. And then there was the God-fearing Pharisee, who really loved God and did good deeds to please the God that he loved. So, just to be clear. So Jesus says about these religious leaders, as he's talking to the crowds, whatever they tell you to observe, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. Jesus said that respect was due to them. 
Uh, not because of their conduct, not because of what they did, but because they sat in Moses' seat. They should be respected because they held an office of authority that was ordained by God. Pool. Let not the law of God lose its authority with you because of these wicked men. Bruce. Synagogues had a stone seat at the front where the authoritative teacher sat. Carson said, uh, the Jews spoke of the teacher's seat as we speak of a professor's chair. Uh, when you come to Israel, when you go to Israel, go to Magdala, you'll see the first century synagogue there, and you'll see there is a stone seat. It was only uncovered 10 years ago. And almost with complete certainty would have been a synagogue that Jesus would have sat on that stone and taught, which is absolutely amazing. Come and see. So he said, they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders. The scribes and the Pharisees, they were bad examples because they expected more of others than what they were prepared to do themselves. So they would set heavy burdens on others, but they wouldn't do anything themselves at all. And the burdens of the religious leaders, which was heavy, impossible to carry out, is the opposite to Jesus' burden because his burden is light and his yoke is easy, Matthew 11.30. These religious leaders were burden bringers, Jesus was a burden bearer. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Peter told the legalists in Acts chapter 15 verse 10, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we are able to bear? This is what Jesus was talking about. So let's move on to verse 5. But... All their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders beyond their garments or of their garments. They love the best places at the feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, who he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. The religious leaders were guilty of advertising their righteous deeds, all these wonderful things they did. They acted out of a religious spirit. Jesus had spoken out against that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. So they had these broad phylacteries. What were they? They were these small little leather boxes. And when you go to Israel and you'll see Jewish people there from particular sects of Judaism, and they wear them strapped to their head. It's like a little temple on their head. And uh, it's got scrolls of scripture inside them. And then they tie them to their arm and they bind their head uh, and arms with leather straps. And the borders of their garments are worn in an attempt to conform to Mosaic law. Deuteronomy 11, Numbers chapter 15. So nothing wrong with that. What Jesus was saying was some try to have a really big phylactery and they have really thick pieces of leather. Um, Guzik says this, it was natural for these religious leaders to believe that the broader phylacteries and larger borders on their garments showed them to be even more spiritual. The idea of wearing the phylacteries and the special borders of their garments was obedience to what God commanded Israel under the covenant given at Mount Sinai. The use of those things to promote an image of super spirituality was the fault of human sinfulness, not of the command itself. So Jesus says they love the best places. They love the greetings in the marketplace where people walk up to them in the marketplace in front of others and go, Rabbi, Rabbi. 
thou art but wonderful because you get to be called rabbi. They weren't content to display their spirituality just with their phylacteries. They wanted people to admire them for how spiritual they were. They coveted certain seats at the banquets and when they went to the synagogue. Oh, is the front row reserved for me? Does it have reserved on it? You know, um, that's what they, that's what they did. His followers should always remember you are all brethren and that one should not be exalted above others by titles that are demanded or received. Don't be called rabbi. Don't call anybody father. Do not be called teachers. Jesus warned his listeners and he warns us about giving people inappropriate honour. One can, you know, you can have a father, you can have a teacher in a normal human sense, but you should not regard them in the sense that gives them excessive spiritual honour or authority, which is difficult because in church we want to honour people. It's good to honour. Honour is a godly biblical principle. But I think sometimes honour goes too far. And, and honor now starts to puff up the person that is now being honored. That's what Jesus said. That's what he's talking about here. Spurgeon, in the church of Christ, all titles and honors which exalt men and give occasion for pride are here forbidden. And from the rest of the Bible, we can see that Jesus didn't intend this as some absolute prohibition on titles, but he was talking about the heart that loves and cherishes such titles. Uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, godly men spoke of themselves with some of these titles. Jesus himself was called rabbi in Matthew 26. Uh, in John chapter 1, John chapter 3, Paul called himself a father in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and Philippians 2. Paul called other Christians uh, his children in Galatians 4. Paul called himself a teacher in 1 Timothy 2 and 2 Timothy 1. Paul, that which he forbids... Jesus forbids here as he's talking is number one, an affectation for such titles and hunting after them. And number two, rom tituli, which is the Latin for the exercise of an absolute mastership or a paternal absolute power. The command is that was given by Jesus, unfortunately, is often ignored and violated today in the way that people give and receive titles. Like, you know, prophet this, my name is prophet that, or apostle so-and-so, well, the most reverend, you know, doctor, whatever, uh, and so on. Uh, I think when people go chasing after those titles was the point that Jesus was talking about. Nothing wrong with honouring people, um, but it cannot get to a point where it produces pride. We must say, Carson said, that the risen Christ is as displeased with those in his church who demand unquestioning submission to themselves and their opinions and confuse a reputation for showy piety with godly surrender to his teachings as he ever was with any Pharisee. Okay, let's move on to verse 11. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. People often associate greatness by how many people serve somebody or how many people honour them. I mean, you could use that in today's world by looking at how many followers somebody has on Instagram. The more they followers they have or the more people subscribe to their YouTube channel, the more people that, that, that they're friends with on Facebook, uh, and it, it's, it's like, oh man, that, how many, oh, he's got 76 million followers. Oh, he's really important. 
And Jesus reminds his followers that in his kingdom it should be different and that we should estimate greatness by how we serve others and how we honour others. And since Jesus was truly the greatest among them, he spoke of himself as a servant. And it's unfortunate that many followers of Jesus imitate the leadership philosophy and the style of the scribes and the Pharisees more than they do the style of Jesus himself. And Jesus said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And that promise is absolutely true, but it's sometimes only known in eternity. Uh, observation for today. Um, am I a Pharisee? And if I am, am I a good or a bad one? <laughs> I, I loved all those descriptions of the different kinds of Pharisees. Uh, another observation is my ultimate goal must be to serve and not to demand honour. I appreciate honour as a pastor. I appreciate when I'm honoured. I appreciate that people from our staff put reserve signs on a chair so that I got somewhere to sit when I come into service and I've got a lead service from a certain certain spot. It, it would be strange for me to get up from the middle of the congregation, although I'd like to do that every now and then. Uh, so I appreciate the honour that people do that. We, when we have people that guests that are coming, we try to you know do whatever we can to honour them. But if somebody demands it and 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 says to me, "Listen, I'm going to be coming to church and Sunday. I'd like seven reserve signs put on a chair," I can tell you, most probably for me, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, I think if you've got to demand honour, then it's not earned, and it's certainly not. It would just be fake. And I think we have to remember that there's a difference between God and men and women of God. And I think we struggle with that in the culture uh, today. But ultimately, Jesus said, listen, if you want to know how to be the greatest leader, be the greatest servant. So there you go. The higher up the chain of leadership you go, the more you need to serve people. This is Jesus' point. So I hope that helps you today. Heavenly Father, thank you for a great day in your word. I pray you'd seal these things in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.